Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zook. It is another awesome day for another awesome episode of How to Become Next on Scene in your field of passion, in your field of passion or in your business. Before I bring on my amazing guests, I always like to start with a marketing tip to get your week started and a self-care tip to keep your week going. And this particular guest, we talk about all those things, specifically around like keeping your week going, keeping you motivated, keeping you inspired. Like my guest definitely has that covered for you. Um, Marketing tip of the week, um, I would say the importance of really getting comfortable doing more reels and TikToks. I don't remember recently if any of you have heard that I did a masterclass on this about how to go viral at least one time in your life. Um, But there's importance in doing a reel or TikTok at least once a week um, and not every day. A lot of people do reels all the time. And the problem is if you're not using all the things that the platforms have to offer, you're not going to grow. Specifically with Instagram, make sure to like definitely monetize on carousels, IGTVs, static posts and reels, you know, and with TikTok, you know, don't always just do videos, maybe mix up the types of videos you're doing. Also, maybe add photo like montages with um, text. The more you play around with their analytics, the more your um, account's going to grow. So that's my marketing tip of the week. Um, My self-care tip of the week is really about enjoying life more. Um, I absolutely love, love my guest. I have a special relationship with her, which I'm really excited to share about again very shortly. But she talks all about the importance of taking breaks throughout your day, especially, you know, in an entrepreneurial space, creating that mindset around like you don't always have to be on um, and taking that space, whether it's to meditate or to do other things, um, will really bring you back centered and not feel rushed and do a good job at your job. So I'm definitely going to incorporate that more into my week. I hope you do, too. Now I'm really excited to share my amazing guest. We have the fabulous Alex Gilbert. She is the founder of Capable Consulting. She grew up having learning disabilities and she created Capable Consulting to help people navigate their day-to-day workloads so they feel supported and are able to reach their highest potential. Her biggest goal is also to change the stigma around learning disabilities in the workspace. So Alex works individually one-on-one with clients and even bigger companies and corporations. So I'm really excited for Alex to share all her amazing tidbits with you all, how you can reach out to her, follow her on social media. And I really hope you learned some inspiring fun facts today that honestly I'm incorporating already. She is so near and dear to my heart and you will learn why very shortly. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. to becoming next on scene. I'm so excited to be here with the fabulous Alexander Gilbert, the founder of Capable Consulting. Hi, Alex. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you cool if I call you Alex and not Alexander? Um, please, for the love of God, don't call me Alexandra. I know. I've I don't only think known you as Alex, so I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you knew me as something completely different. That's from true. Her That's true. But we'll talk more about that in a little... Well, actually, yeah. we can just talk about it now. But Alex and I went on a team tour together years ago, and it was so excited to reconnect as entrepreneurs, like really kicking butt. So yeah, Alex, tell us a little bit about what Capable Consulting is and how it came about. So I'm dyslexic and have ADHD and I was diagnosed when I was eight years old and had all kinds of resources all the way through college. But what people don't 
typically understand about having resources is what happens when you don't have them anymore. And I was under the impression that I knew what to do because I had all these resources and I had also created a mentor retention program for students with disabilities at Indiana. So I was not only figuring this out for myself, but I was teaching other people how to advocate for themselves and how to manage in all of these different environments. So going into the workplace, I thought, I'm good, except for I wasn't, not even close. I was like falling on my face because resources in school, it's like apples and oranges. I didn't know how to talk to my bosses about what my needs were in these different spaces and how to even find the right environment for myself. So I was working in all different kinds of jobs, mostly doing program and leadership development for over a decade in New York City. And I was laid off from my job due to COVID. And I was stopping and thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I've had this idea of starting Capable Consulting, maybe not necessarily the name, but since I was 16, because I was working with an SAT tutor who told me that because of my disabilities, I was going to amount to nothing. And it was so frustrated with that thought process that because I had dyslexia and ADHD, that my skills weren't valuable when I was in several jobs later that I was being sought out for specifically because I had dyslexia and ADHD. So I really wanted to find a way to elevate people, help them really embrace who they are and embrace their strengths and really empower them to feel their best. I love it. So it was like a blessing in disguise, which we had talked about prior, like to totally. be on your own. It was like totally meant to be. It was just a matter of time, right? And the timing was perfect, but it was also all of the skills that I needed to put together capable consulting came from all of those years in program and leadership development. And so even if I was graduating from college and wanted to start this business, I would not have been nearly as successful as I am now because I didn't have those experiences. So totally, it all happened at the right time, at the right moment. And I'm pretty excited about it. I love it. And I love the title too of the company. Cause like I said, even before we started, I was like, is it capable? Is it capable? Like, can you share more about like how the title came about too? Yeah. So there's actually three meanings behind capable consulting and it's C-A-P-E, able. One, I, as I said, I'm dyslexic. I spell everything wrong. And I was like writing it out. I was like, that's how you spell capable, right? And then I was tell, I was showing it to my husband and my sister and they were like, no, that's, that's not how you spell capable. I was like, oh, right. Um, there's an A here. But I liked the idea that it was people could see themselves as capable and use their superpowers and use their strengths, also playing on the dyslexia piece. But I also wanted people to see themselves as capable people, because a lot of the times they're told that they're incapable of their job and they're incapable of organizing or having these strengths and BS, total BS. I love that. Super, super creative. So who are you finding in terms of clientele, like comes in for consulting and like, how does that work with you? So more recently, it's actually been people who are being diagnosed with ADHD now. Um, Most people who are being diagnosed are women and people of color, 20s, 30s, 40s, because they have shown the same symptoms and signs or slightly different signs as kids, but they were completely misdiagnosed or kind of ignored. Because when you think of something like ADHD, You think of that little boy who's hyperactive and disrupting the teacher and that's it. But there's so many different types of ADHD. So 
for women, I would say most women have something called inattentive ADHD, meaning they might be a little spacey, maybe disorganized, not really paying attention, or they have something called hyperactive, where hyperactive for a boy was literally rambunctious, but for a girl is super talkative, which are seen as like character traits. These right. are not- That's so <laughs> funny you're saying that. Right. because And then you're masking it and it doesn't affect your intelligence. So people are kind of flying under the radar. Or you could have something like both, which is combined, hyperactive and inattentive, which is what I am. I can be extra talkative, but I could also be a complete space cadet and I am not paying attention to anything that's happening. And that hyperactive piece could just be internally, that your brain is working so much faster, which is why so many people are with ADHD are so creative because they are literally working on hyperspeed. Right. And that's what like, so I was talking to you earlier about this reel that you did with talking Mm -hmm. about like unplugging and all those things. And I think, especially with people who have those disabilities and even entrepreneurs like need that time. So can you talk about how you incorporate it, which we talked about earlier, which I love. And then also like advice that you have in general with things people should consider. So burnout is so real. And I should also mention you can have burnout, as you mentioned, with ADHD or learning disabilities or being an entrepreneur or being a parent or the fact that, I don't know, we've been living in a pandemic for a few years now. Burnout happens at any place in time. Things you can do to acknowledge it is to stop and acknowledge it. We're getting burnt out because our heads are so far deep in the sand that we're not coming up for air and looking around us and being observant of ourselves and our needs and everything in between. So things that I've done with my husband um, during the pandemic is we've actually been, we picked a sitcom because we're both home working, you know, during the day, we picked a sitcom and we watched 20, 30 minutes of a show. And then we're laughing in the middle of the day. We feel so much more relaxed. We feel so much more energized because we are completely taking ourselves out of the situation. And when, for someone who has ADHD, They feel like there is no time left to do the 75,000 things that they have on their list. And I would say that for entrepreneurs and everybody in between. But when you are looking at all the things on your to-do list and you are forcing yourself to sit down and do everything on your to-do list, it's going to take you 10 times longer to do it because what your body and mind is saying is, I need a break. And there is nothing wrong with taking the break. That break could be 30 minutes to watch a sitcom at lunch. That could be walking outside. That could be turning off your phone or sitting in a quiet room and just meditating. That could be talking to someone in person or meeting them for coffee. It doesn't matter specifically what it is, as long as it helps you decompress so that you can come back and focus on what it is that was in front of you that you hadn't really had the focus to be able to do before. I love that. Great advice. And I think, I mean, a prime example, I mean, I can relate to everything you said because I'm a go, 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 go. And then I'm like burnt out, like until I literally can't go anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I really respect that. Yeah. But then you end up not being your best self because you are trying so hard to just check things off that you make more mistakes. And I think that that's a lot of the times when people who have ADHD or learning disabilities are masking what their disorder is. They're like, okay, it's fine. I got it off my to-do list. And then they make the mistake. And then that self-doubt and that frustration of, 
oh my God, what did I just do? Now everybody thinks I'm terrible at my job. Well, really, it's just, you didn't give yourself a break right? and you needed it. Right. And also too, like, I think the stress levels, I love how you were saying that, like to decompress, not only makes you more efficient in the long haul, but like healthier mental health, you know, like I think is so, so important. I was thinking too, about like the European lifestyle where they literally take like two hours off during the day, like their lunch hour, all the stores are closed. Like, I don't know if you knew that, but like, I, I learned I, all about this when I went abroad for a little bit. Yeah, so I was like, same. when I studied abroad, I was like siesta and right. nap in the middle of the day. I mean, that's amazing. I, I was actually, I, I did a, a TikTok video the other day. And you'll appreciate this because you have a little baby. Babies take a lot of naps. True. And the reason they take a lot of naps is because they need to decompress and take in all of the things that they just learned in those small periods of time. Huh. But for some reason, we as adults think that we don't need that. But sometimes you need a nap. It's and so it's okay. Crazy. If you take that 20, 30 minute nap in the middle of the day, you are not lazy. You are not stupid. You are, your body is just saying, I need a break. And the break that I need is to physically not move. Agreed. And that's okay. Agreed. You're processing. So true. What's your thought too on like taking ownership that you have a disability? I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around that. Mm. To like take ownership I- in that. Totally. So I, every job I've ever had, I said that I had dyslexia and ADHD. I felt like it gave me such amazing strengths and abilities. And I was okay with putting that out there. I would say most of my clients don't really want to do that. And it's really such a personal choice, but it's about advocating for yourself and your needs, regardless of whether you have a disability or you don't. And I think we've been really learning that, especially during the pandemic. If you're working from home and you have kids at home or you're taking care of sick relatives or the fact that now your spouse isn't working because they lost a job and you're doing all of these things, whatever the case is, you've had to learn and adapt and say, this is what I have the capacity for. This is what my needs are. This is what I'd like to do moving forward. And this is the support I'm looking for. By doing all of that, you are creating this space that is going to help you help everyone else around you. My fo- But my follow-up to that is like, especially because you deal with all different types of clients, like for somebody in a corporate job, right? Like that's, even though they're at home now, I almost feel like they're so used to being out of home. Like what advice do you have for them to really separate work from, I mean, I guess the sitcom is a great example, but like, is there anything else that you would suggest to them? I mean, the sitcom is definitely one of my favorite things, but it really has to be what works for you. If you are in a home where you can have a physical space that you can close the door, can you close the door at the end of the day and say, this is me time and work is done? Can you close your computer if you don't have that separate space? Can you close your computer? Can you turn off the notifications from your phone for any work alerts that are unnecessary. You do like do not disturb. Let me tell you, I just did that freaking life changing. (laughs) Yeah. The do not disturb is a great, great feature. I actually had a client who was just telling me that she also just had a new baby and, you know, she was so used to answering emails at 11 o'clock at night from all different clients and she couldn't really do that anymore. And she's like, 
you know, that's the very few hours of sleep I get in the day or like you're hitting me right there. And I said to her, it's about setting those boundaries of if you're getting those emails at 11 o'clock at night, you can acknowledge them immediately and say, thank you so much for your email. I see it and I will take care of it first thing in the morning. And the more you do that, the less they'll send them at 11 o'clock at night. But I had another client who I was talking to who's like, what if I put an out of office at the end of the day, every day to say, thank you for your email. I will catch you in the morning. And that was how she did it. And I was like, that's also brilliant. In the US, we have no boundaries in the workspace. And in other countries, it's actually illegal for you to be contacted by your company after hours. And I think that what we're doing to set up those boundaries and say, this is my parameters is something like as simple as that. And I'm saying it as simple as that, but it's how you can express what those boundaries are to your boss and to your coworkers. We're even finding the right environment for you when you're asking them, what is the expectation after hours? And if they say, you know, we work at all hours, this is a never ending job, then you can take that in and say, is this the right place for me right now? Which I think is happening a lot in the workforce that there's a lot of turnover with a lot of companies because people are saying, you know what, who I was two years ago is not who I am now. And it doesn't serve my needs now. And I can use my skills in different ways. There's room for all of it. It's so true. Did you ever see Emily in Paris yet on Netflix? I watched the first episode and then I was like, I can't do this. Okay. So (laughs) the first episode is not justifying. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because literally on the weekends in the second season, the guy goes, we don't work on weekends. You can't talk about work on the weekends. And I was like, wow, I never knew that. So you kind of just like justify that that's like a real thing. That's absolutely a real thing. Like I I remember when I studied abroad, um, I studied abroad in Italy in college And I was taking, I was a human development major and I was taking like Italian family or something. And I remember learning about their maternity and paternity leave that you get up to a year maternity and paternity leave. And you could take it at any time up until the child is eight because they want to make sure exactly. So if you're like, you could take six months at a time and then spread it out while they have school vacations or the kid is sick and all of these different aspects, because we are respecting the boundaries of you as a person and you as a family versus we're going to burn you to the grind. And the thing is, I keep getting these ads. This is the most annoying thing. I keep getting these ads and they clearly, whoever's targeting these has the wrong audience, but there's companies who are checking how often your computer is going idle. And so now people are selling what they're calling mouse movers that are these vibrating mouses so that it looks like your computer is never idle because you have all of these people checking. Are they working? You're serious. I swear. I, I, it's like, I should record the next time I get one of these ads because it is so absurd. And I was talking to one of my clients about this who came from a very corporate environment. And she's like, you know what? I don't know if they were checking how often I was working. But when we're talking about burnout and setting boundaries and really finding the best time and time frame for you to do your work, why do you care if it's done at 7, 8 p.m. at night, as long as it's being handed in when you're expecting it to? What difference does that make? 
why why are we restricting this nine to five is the only acceptable hours to work when that's not a system that really makes sense for most people. Like I was reading that it actually goes with the circadian rhythm of men that nine to five is where men thrive. And this was done in like the 1920s, but it's not how women work. So this very outdated system. And now we have companies who are checking how frequently you're sitting at your desk when you do that, you're then telling your employees that we don't value you as a person and that the only thing is the ends to the means. And it's just, there's turnover. There's like crazy amount of turnover because you don't feel like you're valued. Right. And also my other thought to that too, is what if they're like in the other room on a phone call for work? Like, how would you know, right? If they're just not sitting in front of their computer, why do they have to be in front of their computer? You could come up with a thousand things that are all legitimate True. and it wouldn't make any sense why they cared whether you were sitting at your desk, but I guarantee they are far less productive than any company who is not checking, who is allowing their employees to really have the flexibility in their hours within their day to get their work done. Because someone who has ADHD can hyper-focus and can probably do about eight hours worth of work in two. So do you really care if they're sitting there for eight hours? They're probably going to be burning themselves out and doing mindless stuff that has nothing to do with your work, but sure, they're sitting there. Right. And then you look at companies like Google who have the most creative, innovative workspaces where they play sports in the middle of the day and then they go back to work. It's like, and they're more successful than a lot of these other corporate companies, right? Because of their work environment. Totally. And I think that there needs to be a space for fun. And I actually, I made a reel about this a while ago, but why do we stop having fun? What, why as adults did we put out there that we can't have fun anymore because we have to pay the bills because we have to do what our employer says? What about that? Is that, is that really what we want to put out there? Is that really how we're going to feel our best, to be creative, to do all of these things? Well, like not really. Agreed. So what can you do to have more fun in your day and really figure out what that fun looks like. I One of my favorite questions to ask people when I start coaching them is what is their favorite game? And I ask this and everybody laughs at me, but it, it's, it tells me so much about how you think, how you learn, how you focus, how you organize, what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are by just acknowledging something that's as fun as playing a game. So like, what's, your, what's your favorite game? Okay, so my favorite game is I was going to ask you what yours was, but it's okay. We can do, we can do it. My favorite game is Tetris. I've been playing Tetris since I was like, I don't know, since we had Game Boys because that's how old we are. But I've been playing Tetris for a really long time. And it makes sense for me because I like to see the big picture, little details all at once. I like to organize and have order and feel satisfied as I go through each line. And the more focused I am and the hyper-focused I am, the faster I can go and the higher level that I can get. And that is how I work. My least favorite game is Pac-Man because Pac-Man, you have no idea when these ghosts are coming in and out. They're unpredictable. It's so unsettling. You know, you could go this, you can plan this way and you are screwed. And that was always where I struggled in the workplace was I didn't know what was happening and how to plan for it at the last second. And that anticipation just left me on edge of, 
I don't know what to do. Obviously, the further I got in my career and the more confident I got in what I was doing, it was less of an issue. But it was definitely an issue in any new job that I started because I didn't know what was what was happening or how to plan for it. And I didn't want to be caught off guard. So that's, that's my, like, I love that. I'm like thinking about Pac-Man. I'm like, I've never thought about that before. Like that's such a good point. Like, oh my God. But like, what's your favorite game? So I was thinking about it as you were talking about yours. Yeah. My favorite is I love crosswords, like finding words. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like just the fun ones, you know, on Pinterest, we're like, find three words. That's like your words for the year. Like, I love doing those things. Um, what does that say about me? (laughs) Well, but you're creative and you work in media and communications and you like to be excited by new words and find the places for them. Love it. And make sure that they go in an order that is flowing for you. So I'm not surprised, you know, someone who likes to think of new words as you're writing communication pieces, as you're writing newsletters are also looking for new vocabulary. So I'm not surprised. So cool. I feel like you're like a psychic that's telling me about my business. (laughs) What's my least favorite? I don't know. Like you made me think about that. And I was like, I really, I need to sit on that. I'll probably by the end of our conversation, I will think of something. I hope so. Yeah. I Um, like, there's so many. There's so many shitty ones out there. Yeah. So what do you find right now? Obviously burnout is trending in your world, but what are like a lot of frequently asked questions you get when you're like, even before you work with clients or like when they're in session with you, what is something that are some pain points that are pretty consistent? Failure. That is probably among the most common conversations that I have. And I get so frustrated by the word failure and you may remember this because we've known each other for a long time. I wrote this on my blog, but it took me four times to pass my road test in the state of New York, which in New York, it is so hard to pass your road test. And they like have this status of how many times they have to fail somebody, whatever the case was. I was a really, really good driver. I had no issues, parallel parking, I knew the rules of the road. Every time I took lessons, people were like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. But the factor that I didn't play into this was that I have tremendous anxiety around failure because I've been so used to working in this environment in school with expectations that are not realistic for me. And when people with learning disabilities or ADHD are sitting and comparing themselves to someone who doesn't have these disabilities. They're thinking, they do it. Why is it so hard for me? Why did it take me six times to do it? And it's like, well, was it supposed to take you six times to do it because you needed to process it in a different way? Or was it because that's not the right situation for you and you should be trying something that comes a little more naturally to you? How we set ourselves up for success is by setting realistic expectations for you. And so people are coming to me and that's part of why I came up with my coaching theories. I call this best principles versus best practices. This is after years um, working in program and leadership development, but best practices assumes that everyone's going to do the same thing and end up with the same results that you'll find the top 10 ways to prevent burnout in the workplace. They're so generic. They work for some people. They don't work for you. 
Then you try them. You try every one of them. You go to another list and you try those. They don't work for you. So you are the failure. But they weren't set up for you. They're generalized. I like to do best principles, meaning we have the same goal in mind, but what's going to work for you is going to work for you because it's made for you. We are going to do it based on how you think and how you learn and how you organize and structure your day so that it's sustainable, attainable, and maintainable for a much longer period of time. And not to say that things don't fluctuate and change throughout your life, but at least you have the foundation and understand why you're doing it. So people come to me and say like, what are your best tips? I'm like, "Mm, I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going there because it's it could for work everyone. for you. It's so true. I love that. I was, I have another question in general about like the yeah. workforce and cause mm-hmm. I think about deadlines and test taking for me, like I grew up in learning disabilities too. And I can so relate to that. Like I took the real estate test five times before I passed. So yeah. I'm like, for me, one, it's the anxiety piece, right? Like, I feel like that's a big piece with the failure connection. Cause you already know, totally. you know, before you're going in with that mindset, like, yeah. So I think around that in terms of like having deadlines as a business owner, but also like relieving the stress factor, like what are your thoughts around that? Are, are you saying in terms of working for yourself or in the workplace you're working for someone? I think you could go either way. Right. I think it could go either way. If you're, but I would answer it differently. differently. So okay. I'll answer first in terms of the workplace. If your job has expectations of this is when they like things to be handed in and you're someone who struggles with time management or anxiety, or you're dealing with just being new to the job and you just don't understand all of the different components of this job. What can you do to advocate for yourself and speak up for yourself and say, these are what my needs are. I used to talk to my former boss would love about like going into conversations, knowing what you want out of it. So you could say, Hey, I need help, but you have to go in and say, Hey, I need help. And this is what it looks like to get the help. So you have deadlines that are due at a certain time. You're uncomfortable with what you're doing because you've never done this before, or maybe you've done this before, but you struggle with time management. Can you set up more check-ins with your boss before it's due to give you space in between? so that you can fix whatever it is that were that was being handed in. Could you set up something with your boss that they tell you what they're expecting by creating lists with you so that you have something to check off and say, okay, I've marked off everything from my list. I've also said that I've had um, conversations with people who are bosses and then their employees have a learning disability or ADHD and their whole thing is how do I support them? And I'm not sure what they, what they understand or don't get. They're not communicating it. And I always like to open the door to communication in every way you possibly can. And I think as a, as a manager, as a boss, you can set those expectations and say, this is how I work. This is how I learn. This is what my expectations are. How does that work with you? What do you need from me in order to help me accomplish this and vice versa? And if you're telling them what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and what you could use help with, it makes them so much more comfortable to be able to share of, okay, this is where we can balance each other out. And when you're communicating and you're saying like, I don't know what they know, ask them, what do you understand? 
in your own words about the process and let me help you fill in the gaps where you don't so that we're on the same page because the more they say it in their own words, the more likely they are to understand and process it and keep going in a much more successful way. Love that. I think the assumption piece is so big in the entrepreneurs. Oh, I think in any workspace, to be honest, yeah. just assume somebody understands it, but you're, we all understand things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like when I want deadlines from people, I'll use myself as an example. Like I yeah. expect that they know my process and new clients don't know my process and I don't know their process. So it's like that learning gap, you know, like I'm sure same yeah. thing with you, right? Absolutely. But that's yeah. why I always try and have those conversations and share with people what it is that I'm looking for or what they should be looking for from me, because it doesn't matter if they have a disability or not, their process is different. And what else they have going on is, you know, going to affect how they send things off to you and get things to you at a certain time frame. Right. So good. All these nuggets, Alex, are so good. So I'm good. So, glad. All right, so if I'm like new and I, I've never, you know, heard about you before, how can I get in touch for a consultation and follow you on social media before we play game time? Okay. So I do something called a declutter your mind session, which is a 30 minute free brain dump. Tell me everything that you're struggling with, that you're just not sure what order to put it in, whatever it is that is really, I'll just say bothering you at this moment. We put it on the table and we put it back in an order that actually makes sense to you. So you can find that, you can find that on my website um, and you can find me on social media. So on Facebook and LinkedIn, I'm Kate. C-A-P-E, Capable Consulting, LLC, or on Instagram and TikTok, it's I am capable. So C-A-P-E for that. So you can find me there and you can also find the declutter sessions there. Um, I also, as I mentioned, do the coaching sessions one-on-one. I do strategy sessions. So if you have, let's say, a short-term goal, maybe you're trying to make this job transition, you don't know how to help yourself, find the right environment or advocate for yourself in those things. I can help you with that. And I also do the consulting work, which is working with companies and organizations to help them make that a, a space that's so much more inclusive to those who have learning disabilities or ADHD so that we can make it better for everybody. Because all of those communication tactics that I mentioned are going to be helpful regardless of a disability, but it sets the person up with the disability for success. So that's what I'm looking to do. Long-term. So good. So good. And like, in terms of like how you work with clients, is it monthly? Is it like weekly? Ideally, what can you share a little bit more? So for the strategy sessions, I do two sessions. they are one hour, um, usually once a week and they're all done on zoom. All of my sessions are done via zoom. And then if you want to do coaching sessions, I can either do six sessions bi-weekly or 12 sessions weekly. And Consulting really depends on the company or organization and what specifically you're looking for. Because the best principles, best practices piece works for that too. It depends true. on your needs. It's so true. It's I love that you're all about the customization piece because it's so, so true. But that's, I mean, that's what's amazing about having learning disability or ADHD and what I like to go on because I think differently and I think outside of the box and so much more aware of everybody else's needs and how we can accommodate them to make it sustainable. So totally. Yeah. 
Love oh, it. I'm so proud of you as like your Thank long-term you. friend knowing you for so many years. So I want to yeah. talk about fun facts about Alex and then we will play yeah. at the same time. So Alex and I went on a teen tour together in 2003. Three. I was going to say three. I was in a red. It's been so long. Oh, three. Oh my yeah. God. We were buddies. So we're, we, we, I used to call Alex Dixie. What was mine? G- I was just Jay-Z, Jay-Z. Right? Yeah. You were Jay-Z. Yeah. yeah I remember. So funny. I don't even remember why we came up with those names. Do you remember by any chance? I do because there were three Alex's on our teen tour. Of course, I remember this because I have a crazy memory, I know. but also something that comes with dyslexia, but there were three Alex's. There was an Alex boy and his name was Alex R and my name was I remember. Alex R. And then there was another Alex who was a girl. So it was like, I couldn't be Alex girl and I couldn't be Alex R and I'm from Dix Hills on Long Island. And one of our counselors was like, you're Dixie. And I'm like, that sounds like a porn star name, but like, okay, <laughs> I'm going with it. I guess it stuck we forever come- though. It literally stuck forever. Like there were people after our teen tour who did not know what my actual name was. So, and then I'm hilarious. Like- Your memory really is amazing. Like I have to give you like, that's such a gift. Like seriously, Alex, I love that so much. I- <laughs> It's crazy memory, but I also think, I don't know if it was from overcompensating for years with dyslexia and like memorizing full books, or I just have such a photographic memory because of dyslexia, but I'm all for it. I I always tell like stories. My husband is looking at me. He's like, how do you remember that? He's like, I don't need to remember anything because I know you're here. (laughs) Yeah. I love so that. That was one of our okay, fun facts. second fun fact is you lived in Seinfeld's apartment. Please share that really cool experience. Yes. If you are a Seinfeld fan, you know 129 West 81st Street. So my husband and I lived there for nine, almost 10 years. And it was where he lived when he was starting out in comedy in like the 70s or 80s. But if you watch the show, that's always the address that they bring up. It's not the building that they would show, but that was the address that he would use. And he actually lived down the street. So we'd get his mail all the time. And like, just go up the street. You might actually see him. That's but so it was, cool. It was very cool. So yeah. cool. That's a really yeah. fun fact. And then the third yeah. fact made me laugh. So you don't like condiments, like ketchup. I hate mustard. condiments. So what's, what's the reason here? I don't like the texture and I don't like the smell. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like ketchup. Like, I, I don't know. It just, I, I never really liked it as a kid either. It just, I don't know. It left a really weird, sugary, smelly texture, but I'm a big fan of all Mediterranean condiments, like tahini, tzatziki, hummus, like give me all of it. I'm into it. But the standard American condiments, nah, huh. I'm out. So I'm like, so fascinated by this. I'm like, so something must have happened when you were younger though, because I feel like pe- that doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people have like something that kind of scarred them. I was right? such, actually, this comes from our team tour too. And I'm not going to say who this was about, but there was someone on our team tour who was a very picky eater and I was a picky eater and I kept watching them on our team tour be very picky and would like cry basically in restaurants. If something was touching anything on the plate, she liked things a certain way. And I remember watching her and thinking, is this how annoying I am? Because I don't like this. (laughs) And then I stopped being picky and I was like, I'm just going to try things. But yeah, it, it really came from being a picky eater as a kid, which is actually very common for someone who has learning disability and ADHD because they 
have no sense of control in terms of other things. And there's like all these things about disorder eating with ADHD and having control over food. I was so anxious that the only thing that I could control was what was in front of me. So I liked what I liked and I didn't like what I didn't like. And that's what I was going to do. So yeah, it's all tied in, which I didn't realize until much later in life. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I never would have thought about that either. Like at all. Yeah. You're full of nuggets, full of really good nuggets. Texture, it's like, I love chicken nuggets too, by the way. So, (laughs) I mean, like, let's keep going with the nuggets. No, but I was going to say, it's it's also a sensory thing that's very common for people with ADHD to have like texture issues. Yeah. Very crazy. Okay, this is also a fun personal fact, but Alex is going to be a mom and I'm really excited for you. Just wanted to put that on. (laughs) Thank you. that's, uh, That's such an exciting thing to like be a part of. The whole process, being pregnant, giving birth, all that things. You know, I'm so that's a different fun fact I'll share. So my birthday is July 16th. My husband's birthday is July 19th. We both had the same due date of July 21st and our baby is due July 21st. You're serious. Yeah. That's such a special, like special month to begin with. But like talk yeah. about the special. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's so cute. Exciting. And I have to throw something in there, but my wedding anniversary is July 21st. (laughs) I love it. I I love love it. it. That's freaking awesome. We're all, we're all connected. You know, we're all connected. All right. So now let's play quick game time. No rush. Like just one way for us to get to know you more. So what's Alex's favorite food? Chicken parm. Ooh, great choice. Um, If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life, head to toe, what would it be and why? Anything black. I would probably go black like black leggings and a black shirt and like some kind of something over it. There was a girl in my sorority who would wear solid black and she would always look so put together. And she's like, it's my black bodysuit because anything you throw on top of it just looks put together. And I was like, she's not even a New Yorker. And she taught me the New Yorker that trick. And I love that. And like, what shoes are you wearing? Are you wearing like flip-flops, flats, like sneakers, heels? What are you doing? Definitely sneakers. I love it. Comfortable, cute. I mean, that also came from sprained my ankle on that amazing team tour that we went on. And then I had 15 years of ankle sprains and a reconstructive ankle surgery later. So yeah, I would say sneakers are yeah, my go-to. I totally can understand that. That's yeah. hilarious. Not hilarious, but like now you look back on it, you're like, oh, that makes sense. You can laugh about it, yeah. you know. All about <laughs> the sneakers. All right. Um, where's it your favorite place you've ever traveled to and a bucket list place you've never been you want to go? Ooh, favorite place I've ever been to. Okay, I'm gonna say two because I'm cheating. But when it was actually when we were on our team tour, we went to Bryce Canyon. I'll tell the story because you're not gonna remember it. But our team tour counselor, like director, had us all close our eyes. And if you've never been to Bryce Canyon, it's this beautiful sandstone canyon and it's breathtaking. So he had us all walk in a line holding the person's shoulders in front of us. And we closed our eyes and he brought us to the edge. There was a pole. We were going to fall in and we're standing at the edge. And he said that he wanted us all to open our eyes at the exact same time. I'm getting chills thinking about this. And we opened our eyes and we looked around and it was truly breathtaking, remarkable, like such a deep seated memory. And my grandfather was a photographer and he has amazing pictures from there. So I always said I would go back and I've never I haven't been back since. And it was something my husband and I have talked about for years. So that was one. And the other was we've been to um, 
Kauai in, in Hawaii. And that was probably our, like, that's me and Barry's favorite spot. We just love going there. It's so remote. It's so beautiful. And it's not touristy really, at least where we've stayed and we just love it. But where would I want to go outside of that? Ooh, Australia. Wait, is there a specific place in Australia or no? No, not really. I would just love to explore. And that was something I loved doing on our team tour, but it was also something I loved when I studied abroad was like plop me in the middle and, and like, let's take an adventure. I love I'm, it. I'm all for it. So awesome. also they love espresso martinis in Australia and I'm a big <laughs> fan. So <laughs> it's an Australian fact. drink. So you know what? After I can travel and I can have a drink, I'd go there. I like it. Great yeah. choices. Okay. Last yeah. question. If you could spend a day with somebody dead or alive, you've never met, who would it be and why? RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Love it. And what's your reasoning for that? Everything. Um, just literally everything that she ever did was pushing women forward, pushing um, power and being empowered and not letting anything go if you felt like it wasn't right and it didn't settle well. She's, I just always felt like she gave me strength and I would love to be able to share that with her. And I have so many like RBG shirts and sweatshirts that people have given me over the years. And I don't know, I just feel like an empowered badass because I'm like carrying that with her. So I, I would say, I love it. You know, just like a thought that I had, but like, I feel like you're pushing boundaries in an environment that's not talked about. And she was so that person, you know, so that person. And I just, I love that. And like, she had a husband who was incredibly supportive of her dreams and her goals. And I would say that my husband is unbelievably supportive of my dreams and my goals and allowing me to start this business. Well, you know, like during a pandemic, when things are not exactly comfortable in a lot of ways, but at the same time, he's been there. So I feel like we've been influenced highly and I'm, I'm not it. mad about it. Yeah. Shouldn't be such a blessing. Yeah. I'm, so, yeah. I'm so glad we did this today. You're amazing. Yeah. Alec. Thank you for coming on today. I'm so glad we did this too. Me too. And thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Becoming Next on Team. Follow Alex at Capable Consulting. Remember, Capable Consulting. And I am capable everywhere. Oh, well, Instagram, right? Instagram and Instagram and TikTok. I am capable. And then Facebook, Facebook and LinkedIn is Capable Consulting LLC. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to Becoming Next on Scene. And stay tuned for who's next on Scene. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene.